0: to the book of Colossians in chapter 3 this morning. Colossians chapter 3. Our text will be found in verses 12 through verse 17. It is it is dark and wet and cold out there, but I am so glad that you are here. I am so excited in all honesty, about what the Lord is doing in His church right here at Big Woods. And even more than that, I'm, I'm excited about what the Lord is doing in individual lives and hearts here. And, and we heard even testimonies just this morning. Um, Angie, thank you for that song, um, a testimony of God redeeming her. Um, What an honor to have my dear little, one of my my dear little nieces. They're all growing up, Katie Lynn, to be here with us. I have to tell you that watching Katie grow over the years, and and particularly in the last year, that I have learned and grown through what God is doing uh, in that dear one's life. We love you, and we pray for you. let me read this text. Uh, you know that we're taking a little bit of a break uh, for a couple weeks um, from our study in the Gospel of Mark um, to focus on our own vision. <clears throat> our own vision. I talked this morning about owning our vision. Colossians chapter 3, we begin in verse 12. It says, Put on then, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything. Do everything. In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Would you pray with me? Father, we come into Your presence this morning and we recognize who You are in Your authority and in all of Your perfect holiness. And my my plea this morning, my cry is a simple one. That You would use Your Word in a big way, in an amazing way, that You would speak to all of us and that we would have ears to hear what You want. We trust You to give us the strength to be obedient to Your Word. We ask this in the powerful name of our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ amen and amen <clears throat> we have intentionally the last couple of weeks uh, spent been spending time as the new year gets underway uh, re-examining always a perfect time the new year to assess and ask the question how are we doing Last week we looked at what I refer to as understanding our vision the what the why and the how. And today what we're going to do is we're going to dig a little bit deeper, recapturing Vision 2020, we call it, with what I call owning. Owning our vision. Understand there's a big, big difference between understanding something and owning something. Let me try to describe it for you. Every single one of you here at one point has bought... A shirt, a jersey. Every single one of you have, have packed a a little bag with gummy snacks, okay, and arrived early to get a good parking spot. Every one of us here have, have paid a ticket at one point and found your seat to watch a game. And we have, we have been there. We have all stood at the right time. And we have shouted and we have cheered and and probably at one time even high fived a complete stranger. Because what? Because your team came from behind. Or because the other team fumbled the ball. You 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 and I we have enjoyed being there. We've enjoyed being a part. We've enjoyed belonging. It's a great thing. It's fun. It's loud. You took pictures and you posted them for other people to see and you said, we were there. And you talked about it on your drive home. Your team won. It's an amazing feeling. You get it. You understand it. But it's interesting. When your team won, they didn't ask you for your ring size. They they didn't put a championship ring on your finger. They, they, They didn't ask you for an interview after the game. Why? Why not? You know why? Because you don't own it. You see, it's a totally, totally, totally different thing to wake up at five o'clock in the morning and go for a six-mile run in the off-season because you do own it. It's it's a totally different thing to go through two days in late summer heat for preseason because you own it. It's a different thing. It's a different thing to take a five-hour bus ride through the night. To get to the to the to the ballpark four hours early to take extra BP. Why? Because you own it. See, it's totally different to go you personally to the workout room or to the tra- trainer's room to get stretched or taped, or to the locker room to get dressed and put your uniform on. With your name and number on the back, it's totally different than going to a souvenir shop and buying a shirt with someone else's name on it and sitting in the stands and and clapping and cheering. There's a big difference there. Totally different when you walk off of a field or the court or a mat and you are aching and exhausted and bruised and perhaps even bloodied because of the game that you just played. It's, it's one thing for us to watch and to cheer and to hope and to leave again. It, it's one thing. It's a different thing to give everything that you have, to sacrifice every day for it. That's what I'm talking about when I use the term owning it. When I use that term owning it. And think about this. Think about this. People do all of that. To be perfectly honest, all the work, all the sacrifice, they do all of that for what? For a game. A game. In 2009, after winning three Super Bowls, three Super Bowls, Tom Brady, who had just signed at that point a 10-year, $60 million contract, he had just married a model, said this in an interview with 60 Minutes. Listen carefully. I quote, Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think that there is something greater for me out there? I think, and he swears, he takes the Lord's name in vain, I think blank, there has got to be more than this. When asked, what's the answer? Brady responded, I wish I knew. Just this past year in 2015, New York Times interviewed Brady again, and Brady admitted, I do not believe in a specific God or religious practice, rather a mix of everything. And he said, I have Bibles and menorahs all over my house. He got married in a Catholic church, and Brady said this, I quote, We're not Jewish, but I, I think we are into everything. He said, I don't know what I believe. I think there's a belief system. I'm just not sure what it is. How how sad. How how sad? Is that, and how many people do you personally know, you personally know, that would say exactly the same thing? I don't really know for sure what I believe. You know people, and I know people who who would say, I don't really know what I believe. How much greater is, how much clearer. Is our calling, our mission, our mandate, our role? How much greater is our responsibility as followers of Christ? How much more weight does the gospel hold than a game that was that was thought up 150 years ago by some guy in his barnyard? How much greater significance? is the Gospel. I reminded you last week, what? That you know, look around here, listen to the news or watch. People matter. I reminded you last week, souls are at stake. Heaven and hell await. Eternity is in the balance and time is ticking away. And many people, even sitting here today on a rainy Sunday in January, are actually more concerned about a game than you are about the gospel because you do not own it. By grace you have been saved through faith. It is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. Gift. We are... We are able to trust Him because of His gift. We are able, what? To trust in His plan of redemption. We are able to be forgiven from our sin and freed from the wrath that we deserve. And we're able, because of His gift, to live every single day with true hope for eternity. Remember this. God being rich in mercy because of His great love even when you were dead. I love this in Ephesians 2. Made us alive together with Christ. We get to. We get to tell people of God's incredible gift. We, we, we get to have a tiny, tiny little part of, of, of working toward fulfilling What? his will, for his kingdom, for his glory. See, that's what—that's why we're here. Our vision is all about that. What? We build relationships so that God is glorified. That's what our vision says. We build relationships so that God is glorified. Lives are transformed through the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've, I've thought and I have wrestled with this and prayed with this and wept over this and I've how do we do this God how do we do this? there's a man in scripture and he's just he's a man just like you and I and it's the apostle Paul actually interesting he uses oftentimes he even uses an athletic metaphor because he knows we identify with this kind of stuff. he says, I don't run aimlessly I don't box as one who beats the air he says in first Corinthians chapter 9. Paul, formerly Saul. Remember, Saul initially had set out with one goal. He set out to break down the church. Until what? Until he met the Lord Jesus Christ and he was truly transformed. Truly transformed. And instead of working every moment to break down the church, from that moment forward, he worked every day to build up the church from His very first recorded words that He ever uttered, that we have recorded. After He was knocked from His horse and route to Jerusalem to wreak havoc and cause th- destruction, He says this in Acts chapter 9 verse, verse, verse 5. He says, Who are You Lord? First recorded words. Until what? Until His very final recorded words. Second Timothy chapter 5, verse 22, he says, The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. From what? From the bookends of those moments. Paul did not lose sight of the goal that was set before him. He never ever moved off the mission. He never stopped owning the vision that he was given. Living in light of the gospel and keeping what? The Lord as lords. Which means what? He calls the shots for your life and for my life. You don't. I don't. We don't have that liberty, not if we call Him lords. As Paul is penning his letter to the church in Colossae, the words that we just read, he's writing with a purpose, overarching of this epistle, of combating were contesting bad doctrine, bad theology, heresy. What had happened apparently is that some ideas of Judaism had blended with ideas of Christianity. And it kind of blended into what was referred to as as Gnostic beliefs. It created a a heretical teaching. Gnostic comes from the Greek word, word, what? Kenosis, which is knowledge. Gnosticism was a complex religious Philosophy that taught that salvation could only be achieved by a few people with kind of secret knowledge of the truth. So only a select few. If you do this, if you're aware of this, if you're enlightened, only a select few are going to be enlightened to the point of actual salvation. So Paul picks up his... whatever he was writing with at that point... I don't think it was a pen. Uh, and, and he writes, and he, he's writing to believers, Christians who are succumbing to false doctrine or a fake gospel, and he reminds them what a new life in Christ looks like. He reminds them this is this is what a redeemed life, a rescued life looks like. And he knew all about it. The Apostle Paul, formerly the murderer saw, knew all about living a transformed life and it served as a constant motivation for Him. And there is no secret here. The the work of Christ in one's life, the work of Christ in your life, and in my life should be what? It should be well known by everyone. It is no secret to what Christ has done. All of Colossians 3 has to do with this idea of putting on a new man. Paul Paul uses this metaphor often. He writes to the church at Ephesus in, in chapter four about putting on the, the, the putting off the old self and putting on the new self. He writes to the church in Corinth and in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. You and I, if we're going to own the vision that God has given to us, we have got to get that idea through our minds. And so what Paul does is that he challenges. And yet he also encourages with these two phrases. I want to direct your attention to in verses fifteen and sixteen. The first one is this: "Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which what indeed you were called into one body. We're not fragmented. There's one body. If you want to own something truly, you you what you you ingest it." You feed on it. You think about it. You pray for it. You ache for it. You want to own this? You hunger for it. And you thirst for it. You desire it. Paul writes to the church at Colossians, the Holy Spirit says to you and I, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. The peace of Christ. This word, Greek word peace, it means an agreement or a pact or a treaty or a bond. The Greek idea of this word peace means a bond, a treaty. And what's interesting is that the Hebrew word for this same word peace means an attitude of peace or being at rest or insecurity. What's neat about this phrase right here is that both aspects are kind of combined, both the Greek and the Hebrew, in this idea. They're both found in this idea of the peace of Christ. When you came to Jesus Christ, you made an agreement with Him. Right? That's what happened. You signed a truce. Prior to coming to Christ, it is actually as if you were at war with Christ. You, me, in our unholiness. Christ in His perfect holiness. Christ on one side and and us on the other. But it is as if what? Christ in His own bloods. He, he wrote a treaty. He wrote a covenant with us. He wrote a bond. And from that moment onward, right now, you and I can finally say we are what? We are at peace, at rest, in security. It's a great truth. That's, that's the peace of Christ. I am at peace with Christ. Christ. I um <clears throat> I was in jail last week and just to clarify stop it, I didn't get arrested I went to visit someone in jail and I have visited this individual on numerous occasions in the past four or five years four and a half years I've had lunch with them in, in other places and I've sat in my office and prayed and I have I have listened in all honesty to years of just excuses. I've witnessed arrogance and pride. Not not always the most pleasant times, to be perfectly honest. And and last week I was in jail and I visited with him and as as soon as he came in, there was something different. There was something it was visibly, noticeably different. Always always had something to say. And he was quiet. And and he listened <laughs> To me as opposed to talk. And and then he asked me questions. And 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 I would respond. And then he made this statement. He he said this. He said, For the first time in my life, I'm at peace with Christ. He had been reading. There's not much else to do other than time to read. Best place for him to be, apparently, right now. And he made that phrase. And it was so different from anything I had ever seen in the past several times i would met with him. I'm at peace with Christ knowing that truth. What? That that truth rules. It reigns, which means it's in control and it captivates every part of our mind. It keeps us on task. It, It literally guides us in all of our decisions when we are we are at peace with Christ, everything that you say everything that you do, everything that you look at, that you listen to everything has to be consistent with the fact that you and Christ are now at peace you and Christ are now on the same side as opposed to a separation we are to let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. It says, secondly, we, we are to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I, I believe that we actually begin to own our vision when when we let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The word of Christ refers to the revelation that God brought into the world. Well, what is the revelation that God brought into this world? What what is that? What is how has God primarily revealed Himself? Yes, through creation, no doubt. But but God's primary means of revealing Himself is through what? Is through Scripture, is through the Bible. The word is what? That the word of Christ dwell in you. It literally means to live in. It translates in what's interesting. This is my my favorite part. It means to be at home. So I want you to think about this. It's always great. You've been there. It's always great to travel somewhere, to go to a different place and stay in a hotel and and you leave and they come and they make your bed. Like totally different. And that's fun. That's cool for a while. But you know. You only travel for so long. You only visit And then you just, there's just no place like home. I've heard that. You sleep better in your own Bed. What What Paul is saying here is this. He is saying, let's what the Word, the Scriptures take up residence. Let the Word be at home in your life. In other words, what? Let it be settling there. Let it be living there. So much so that what? So that when someone asks, do, do, you, do you know? Do you know, Max? Do you know? Do you know what's living in their heads? Do you know who's living in their heads? That the word of what? Christ dwells there, exists there, is at home there. Now, now we read in Colossians chapter 3, what? That there's this list compassion, humility. Meekness, love, forgiveness. It uses the term perfect harmony. What is that? That is unity all described in Colossians chapter 3. That cannot happen in your life. Okay, apart from or until the word of Christ dwells in you. And then look at this word, dwells in you richly. It literally means abundantly. It means that you are jammed full of it. Anywhere that they cut you, you bleed the Scriptures. Someone asks you a question, you have nothing to tell them. You direct them to the Word of God. Everything you live in light of the truth of the Gospel, in light of spiritual truths. Let the word literally fill you up. It changes you. It transforms you. It can't help but give you ownership. There was a great early church father, his name was Chrysostom, and he, he says this. He said that the animals which went out of Noah's ark went out the same that they went in. Follow with me on this, okay? Chrysostom writes this, the crow came in a crow and he went out a crow. The fox came in a fox and he went out a fox. Chrysostom said that the porcupine went in a porcupine and came out still armed with his living arrows. No change. He writes, but those who enter into Jesus Christ who are, who are in the ark of salvation, they go in one thing and they come out another totally transformed. And he writes, and I quote, "...like unto a spiteful fox that swindler entered the church who built his house on the ruin of his competitors. And behold, he goes out more harmless than a lamb, willing to sacrifice his own interests for the sake of others. Like a crow, that sinner entered the church. Now behold, he goes out cooing like a dove." That impatient, quarrelsome man who made everyone smart, who touched him like a porcupine, came in bristling, and behold, he goes away like a loving spaniel, gentle to the touch. You you understand what? That it's all about transformation. Conversion to Christ is all about transformation. It's about a, a, a new life, a regeneration. And and what I love about this note, in both cases, the author is very intentional. It says what Paul writes, let the peace of Christ rule in you. It says let the Word of Christ dwell in. he's, He's intentional. He's not speaking with anything else other than the full essence and the extent of the Gospel. He's not talking about being kind of like near you. Close to you or around you, he's talking about it being inside of you. That's that's living in light of a transformed life. You 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 talk about it, you can't help but talk about it. You you think about it when you're not talking about it, you think about it. You close your eyes to fall asleep at night and you dream about it guess what happens that's that is when you own it when and only when you own the vision that god has given to you does it pour out it just it just it just seeps out of you into the lives of other people Last week we watched a little video testimony. We're going to do the same thing today, and, and I know our time is but that's okay. You know what? That's all right. Coffee's downstairs. Listen to this, these two gals, and you hear testimony about how it transformed life from one pours into the life of another. Uh, Alex. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm Diana De Palma. I've started Big Woods. Um, I've been here for a little over three years. And my name is Tara Newman, and my family and I have been coming here for about five or six years. We met at karate. Our kids were in karate together. It was the first time, first karate class, and I learned, shortly learned, that it was Diana's son's first time at karate too. So that naturally drew us together, I think, because we were both like deer in headlights a little bit about karate and um, what this experience was going to be like.
2: Kara approached me one day in the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> the
1: face was a lot of the YNCA, I think it was just the promo friendship system. It was just easy to talk to Diana right away. Diana's personality made it easy to approach her. My and make conversation. Yeah. Kara, you came into my life just at
2: a very difficult time. they going through a lot of changes, having just you know, been divorced and trying to do things on my,
1: you know, simple mom, you know, getting better involved. And I know, Looking back, um, that God was prompting my heart to reach out to Diana in friendship. Maybe not so specifically in that moment. She made it really easy to talk to her, and karate was the topic of conversation. Really, you came into my life at a time when I was extremely vulnerable and just in a place where I was open to meeting
2: new people. And I really believe that God opened my heart to like meet the right people, the right people to meet. Make it easy for me to form that
1: relationship with God. Before I bring my need, I will bring my heart. Um, Dana and I were reflecting on this: that um, when I'll Jesus kids, is Lord of your life, and you live in such a way to glorify Him in all that you do, that really does include um, opportunities for new friendships to come into your life. Um, certainly as a way to share the gospel with them you and I have talked about
2: this before like you have just you've come to me in such like just grace like everything you say is just it puts me at ease and it did not put me in a place where I felt like scripture was being forced on my throat
1: Because the Holy Spirit um, is living and moving in our hearts, I quickly became um, interested in talking to Diana about spiritual things and praying for her. So while we weren't, while I wasn't sharing the gospel with her right off the bat, um, I felt like the Lord was nudging me along to get to know her better, create opportunities to spend time together, form a relationship first. Um, and then all the while just praying for her and my prayers were very simple very simple prayers certainly just that the, that god would give me um, the words to say and that i can show the love of jesus and friendship to her just very simple and easy you just handed it to me gently and it
2: was like here this is for you to accept or not to accept it's really up to me and i wanted to like i was already going in that direction and I just feel like God put you in my life just at the right moment to so really just say, "Hey, you have to, you have to make some changes here." And I really made those changes to form that relationship with God. And I really just, I just know He put like you in my life so that I could be all eyes on Him and just you know, start jumping with both feet. So, thanks for what I come before you are my treasure
0: just one. That's just one story of many, many stories. And Diana and her husband, Mike, who had the privilege of baptizing Diana and and marrying her and Mike. Um, that's what it looks like when it's in and it just pours out. May May we do that. May you trust the Holy Spirit to give you the means and the ability to do just that. I want to leave you with this. Hebrews chapter 13. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, may He equip you with everything good that you may do His will working in us. In us. That which is pleasing and in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.